Speaking of uh, entwining our fates together in an almost unhealthy way uh, across all of time. But wait, Cyrus, we weren't speaking of anything. Well, that's just a fun little time travel joke that I slipped in there. Oh, oh, so you're referencing a conversation we had ten minutes ago, and you said, hold on. And And also a conversation that we're going to have in the future of this episode. See, it's so meta, it's so smart. Oh my god. Well, there is a lot of time travel bullshit going on, and we should jump into that but we're not going to we got tattoos we got tattoos this was sarah's first tattoo uh you know 10 years after she bailed on you me in said, a parking lot outside of a tattoo parlor you said you didn't remember that oh no i remembered it no i do remember <laughs> but you know how you were like i really want to look cool in front of this tattoo artist i figured that i should uh help facilitate that by not being like Oh, yeah, when we were sitting in the car and you're like, uh, 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 I'm not going to do it. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I just got my tattoo. (laughs) I was 18 and I hadn't yet learned that you could express fears instead of just bottling them up until a sort of a peak moment. In a lot of ways. You didn't learn that until you were like 24. (laughs) Yeah, it's a learning process. It's a learning process. I'm proud of myself, really, (laughs) if you think about it, for not getting a tattoo I was afraid of. I'm also proud of you. And hey, I genuinely wasn't mad at that time. And now we get to laugh about it because we have matching tattoos. It's so fucking cute. We got a bunch of geese flying down each of our arms so that when we put them together it makes a v and yeah it did it was the three of us you me and the tattoo artist holding geese photos over our arms trying to puzzle out the calculus of like which way should they be pointing yeah and you know what it doesn't matter that much (laughs) it doesn't matter that there was a point where i just wanted to be like i'm i'm going to sit i will be in the chair i will put my arm up for perusal and when you guys decide what the tattoo is, get started That's on me. That's so funny. I did feel like at a certain point I was doing more in terms of talking about how your tattoo should look than perhaps me, a person who is not going to have that exact design on my body forever, should. Um, I was getting... I get so tired, though, of logistics, know, you I know. I know, I know. I just want to slap it on. Yeah, you get so tired of logistics that when you agreed to uh, get a tattoo with me, you're like, I'll do it, but only if you uh, figure out the artist, schedule everything, drive us there, and then put me in the chair. <laughs> you didn't have to drive me there, but you did have to come up with the concept. I did. That's so fu- You You literally also pitched the concept. And I remember at some point I was like... And I drove us there! And you did drive us there! <laughs> and at one point I was like... Actually, because we got geese, like, my favorite Mary Oliver poem, I love wild geese, but it's actually the summer day. I know, yeah. And you were like, "Hmm." I don't know. Well, the thing is, I don't think that wild geese is actually my favorite one, Mm -hmm. too, but it is one that I uh, inexorably associate with you. Um, Because I do not have to be good. Yeah. 
And you're not. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, uh, speaking of people who don't have to be good and very much aren't. Ooh, are we talking about red or blue? Oh, well, isn't that the question? (laughs) So this week we read This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El-Motar and Max Gladstone. It was a co-written novella, which you may have heard of already uh, by a certain um, warrior of... uh, of underground marketing known as Bickleus Dickleus. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Trigun Twitter coming out in favor of literature. Yeah. Uh, so this is a really spectacular book uh, that um, I listened to on an audiobook actually a few years ago now and uh, was just blown away by. And uh, Sarah, you had not read, which I find mm-hmm. very funny because I feel like I would have said this is very much a book that you, that is like kind of geared towards you, but I also- And I presumably said, huh, noted. Yeah. And I also know that you said that you, 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 I don't think that you loved it. I think I have complicated feelings about it. You know, we just saw a movie with some friends, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Oh yeah. And we had a really interesting discussion about it where I feel like it sounded at the end that I fucking hated this film. I didn't. I would watch it again. I thought it was a really interesting tonal- like weird yeah. piece that was doing a lot and even if it fumbled its like efforts was interesting and rewarding and yeah. that it was worth reading that's kind of how i feel about this is how you lose the time war i want to reread it and i think it will be better upon rereading which is also always also always my pitch for books i think most books are almost always better rereading mm-hmm. um but especially ones that are as weird and high concept as this one yeah. and when it can take like, again, that's just sort of sense... I feel like I've been talking about it a lot lately, but, like, the the calibrating yourself to the book yeah. is such an important phase. Yeah. Um, and this book does definitely require a fair amount of calibration. I felt yes. like listening to it in audiobook form was kind of helpful because, I mean, with an audiobook, you're just along for the ride. <laughs> you know, you... There's no time for you to slow down and think about things. You just have to absorb. Oh, the God, that really... Mm. I want to jump ahead into talking about some themes and shit, but we should probably describe what the book is. Yes. So this book is essentially a, um, a it's like sort of an epistolary with non-epistolary sections. <laughs> hey, smart person, is there a word for that? That wasn't sarcasm. I just know that you know a lot of uh, words about literature. Um. Yeah, it's called neorealism. I'm lying to you. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I know. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Your eyes went up and you looked at me with hatred. Yeah. I don't know. It's epistolary with non-epistolary elements, um, you might say. Yes, one might. Um, <laughs> one could, if one were so inclined, describe it that way. Uh, so it is a series of uh, letters, quote-unquote, that are sent back and forth between two agents of uh, enemy time travel bureaus that are each yeah. trying to... Uh, mm-hmm essentially create a specific timeline that allows their agency to exist. Um, And so both of these agents are moving through time and trying to prune or drive the timeline into the one that they want Mm -hmm. uh, and also undermining each other's efforts just all across various times and realities. Um, It's And the letters, I said quote unquote, because they are like... uh, you get stung by a bee, mm-hmm. uh, and the sting conveys the letter. Mm-hmm. Or you know, there, there. It's very surreal and weird. Uh, it's a letter that you have to light on fire in order to read. Mm-hmm. Um, just really cool uh, 
imagery in terms of that. Um, and I think the imagery of this book really is one of its biggest selling points. It's just a really, mm -hmm. like, richly visual and interesting novel. It really relishes language. Yeah. Um, it kind of delights in this sort of um, high poetic, high lyricism kind yeah. of writing style that I think is one that I both very much enjoy and don't always enjoy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is so razor thin, the margin of yeah. like when it will be which. Uh, and it was interesting. It was like interesting reading it and being like, on paper, I think I should love this. Why don't I love this more? Mm -hmm. Because it's like a extremely high concept, but also extremely grounded concept. What if two people on opposite sides of a time war fell in love while writing letters to taunt each other? Yeah. You know, and the time war, if you're here to be like, how do you lose the time war? There's not a lot of, like, time battles. Yeah. This could not be more focused on these two characters. Yeah, which I really liked. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like this book really benefits from being a novella, because I think if yeah. it was a lot longer, it would have really kind of started to drag, just because of how... Um, how kind of ungrounded it was. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it skips around a lot. And again, I think that that is to its benefit. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, so kind of overall, would you say that you just had mixed feelings on it? Or I think honestly, I need to read it like two more times. <laughs> like I couldn't have more different reading styles. I, I genuinely, I've been, we're reading, uh, hey, spoilers for a book, for an episode that'll come out like, three months from now. Hey, I hate to say it, I think people would love to know what <laughs> books we're going to do in advance. We have received that feedback, and we hear you, and we're trying, We okay? would also like, we also want to know what the fuck we're reading. Um, I'm reading Master and Commander by Patrick O'Brien, and I have it in both audiobook form and physical, like, book form, and I have found that the best way to make progress through it has been to basically overlap. Mm -hmm. Like, when I'm switching to not to, like, backtrack yeah. 30 minutes or 30 pages from where I should be and just sort of, like, reapproach that information again. Because Master and Commander, that's very helpful, though, given how dense it is. It's dense as hell. But it's also, like, you know, Until Dawn, which, hey, check out our bonus episode if you want to hear me talk insanely about Until Dawn. But a game that I enjoyed replaying specifically because now I know all the events of the story, now I know the major scares of the story. Yeah. And you'll never guess which character Sarah was horny for, but to find out, you have to pay us five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I... I can't even defend myself. You've placed it in a way that the mere knowledge of who I'm attracted to is, like, enticing. Exactly. So I can't defend myself in any way, You'll shape, or form. Guess. Oh. It's... It's... Don't tell them! That's privileged information. <laughs> also, I'm not horny for them. Okay. I just am fascinated by their whole deal. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Um, I think we were talking about Until Dawn. And, right, uh, we were talking yeah, about rereading and reapproaching texts. I think I I'm in love with rereading, and I think that this is a book I already kind of, I started rereading it, and I already enjoy it more on the second read than I did the first read. I think genuinely, 
I am maybe someone who needs that extra read to process some things. Which makes sense. And I mean, for all that I, I tease you about that, I think that I would probably benefit from rereading mm -hmm. stuff more, uh, but I'm lazy. I honestly, I sometimes I read books so I can reread them. Like, that's how it feels sometimes. Oh, fuck. We didn't introduce ourselves. Oh, no. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> wow, this really is a time-traveling episode. Yeah. Here, ten minutes in, you want to do the intro? Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Crack Spines. I'm Cyrus. I'm Sarah. Crazy. Anyways, this is the first minute of our episode. <laughs> what should our intro be? Hmm. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. But I do, there's like a lot of really dense, cool information. Dense is such a bad word to pick here, but dense. It's like kind of dense literary illusion. It's like packed full of a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. And where it's like high concept time travel that's like barely touched on, but like like, not barely touched on, like, the mechanics of it, mm -hmm. you know? It, it, there was one review I read, which is like, this book is so good because it takes for granted that you understand what a time war is and that we yeah. don't need to linger on it. And that, like, one side gets to be a post-singularity, like, robot computer side, and one gets to be, like, a weird, potentially hive-mind garden-y side. Yeah. Um, and it's just, like, you get the gist. Yeah. You know? And... I read some reviews as well that were discussing, I mean, this book is very much a fulcrum of, like, literary sci-fi that invites questions about what each, each of those genres are. And again, we've talked a lot about the idea of literary, quote-unquote, as a genre, mm -hmm. because I feel like that basically is, like, any book that is good <laughs> is like, ah, yes, it's it's literature. <laughs> um and uh, this book is so sci-fi. It's so, and like you said, it's so yeah. deeply entrenched in sci-fi concepts that mm -hmm. if you are unfamiliar with them, you will probably find it very unapproachable. But it it gives you that trust of being like, I believe that you know what a time war is and that you can grasp these concepts. Let's move on to the relationship. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the confidence that the book has in you. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like that is something that I, I kind of wish more uh, speculative fiction would do. Because I personally love to be confused. I love it when I pick up a book and just it just starts throwing words at me. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what any of this means, but I'm on board. Um, Nine Fox Gambit, that was definitely my uh, impression. And again, I think that's another one that I really want to reread because I feel like because of how complex the concepts in that one were, I had a harder time approaching the story, but I really liked how complex the concepts were. So yeah. I think on a second read through, um, oh God, I'm becoming you. It's oh God, so the tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our, our complimentary tattoos are the first step to truly becoming one. Okay. I love it's like how, the 12th step. Yeah. It's truly the 12th step program, <laughs> uh, of creating your own hive mind. I love how yours is, uh, geese and mine is ultimately going to be uh geese but flying out of a cosmic horror rend in the universe yeah and mine are like mutating the, mine are the normal geese that are flying out of a mary oliver poem being yeah. like oh shit what's up with you guys yeah they're like hey man crazy where are you guys going also flying south for the winter cool from the andromeda constellation no, oh, from Canada. Oh, crazy. Crazy. Canada, lots of cosmic horror in Canada. Lots of cosmic horror in Canada. Um, wow, what were we talking about? Oh, and, and so literary speculative. Um, I read some reviews, and I am granted 
a little bit uh, prickly on this issue. Um, I read some reviews that annoyed me in the way that they were discussing speculative fiction, where they they talked about basically using all of like the energy in the prose for the for introducing the high concept speculative mm-hmm. things, and then basically that not allowing there to be any like linguistic flair in the like voice and writing mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like that's not inaccurate for a lot of speculative fiction because it is like if you have extremely uh like notable prose with a strong voice and then on top of that you also have really complicated speculative concepts like that's that is a lot to process that does make for a dense book but like they're obviously not uh mutually exclusive um and i think what bugs me is the way that uh Books that don't contain speculative elements are divided up in a very different way than uh, speculative fiction is, where it's kind of like you have speculative fiction and then literary speculative fiction, which is speculative fiction, but good, you know? I also I also read a review, maybe even the same one that you did, uh, that was, in a sense, talking about how the... I can't put quotes around literary every time I say it. It's going to come up so much in this episode. But the quote-unquote literary nature of this book is only possible to a degree because of the sci-fi grounding of it. That basically, uh, that the reason that this book gets to relish in the language so much and in the interpersonal relationship, and essentially all the aspects that are not what a space opera would do for a time war mm-hmm. is because it is written for a sci-fi audience yeah. that already knows it. And I think that's a really interesting argument. And, and also like why the book is like sometimes difficult to calibrate or find its, its readership because it has a sort of floridness and lushness to its writing that draws a lot of attention to the writing itself. And I do think that uh, speculative fiction often doesn't draw attention to its own language. Mm. Um, because I think, you know, it's sort of like we say, it's like there is a lot of, there's only so much attention the readers can give. Yeah, I don't think this is a universal constant at all. Um, but I do think that it is, um, I think the reason sometimes we carve out the literary sci-fi is less like, we are being trying to be pretentious assholes mm-hmm. and be like, this is the good sci-fi. But it's I, I think of it kind of like uh, the broken earth mm. um, and the fucking tricky timelines yeah. and the tricky points of view as like there's just a self-awareness to the language mm-hmm. that a lot of times when we talk about like, like lyricism or like a lot of works of literature god it's so hard it's so hard i'm trying to think of other words yeah but it's like if you describe the plot events of a novel of a classic literary novel it's very boring mm-hmm. i mean or you know it's or it's crazy or it's absolutely crazy those yeah, are the two options yeah. <laughs> it, it really is it's like nothing happens or everything happens <laughs> it, there is it is a delightful a delight and a playfulness in language and almost language first style of writing that I don't think is often the way that sci-fi is approached. Mm-hmm. Not even the question of, like, there's beautiful images that you can lead with. Mm-hmm. This is, like, here's a fun way to have written it. 
it's so conspicuously written. Yeah. Um, and it's so much about writing and reading. And hey, can I use your favorite word? About the infiltration yes, of reading. exactly. The way that reading changes you fundamentally. And yeah. That reading is not a passive process. Yeah. Um, the way that you become implicated in what mm -hmm. you have read. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, I always think it's like, you know, almost a glance at something to see if you don't want to read it, you have to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, got, it's working with so many interesting ideas. And I think to kind of backtrack from looking at it on a meta level, I just really do love the dynamic between the characters. Like, I mean, especially on the earlier parts where they're being really mean to each other, but also like being like, yeah, and also I love the way that um, you like did this one uh, blah, 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 high, high concept sci-fi thing. Mm -hmm. um, Very fucking spy v. spy. Yes. Very like... We are both foot soldiers in a great war. Yeah. Oh, it's, honestly, it's delicious. Mm -hmm. um, I think, because another thing that I really love about this story is uh, the fact that it they are both women, yeah. or, you know, like... They're both she-hers? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and I, I think that, like, this was, especially when I originally listened to the audiobook, this was one of the first books that I had read that had a uh, sapphic relationship that was, like, kind of, like, fucked up mm -hmm. uh, in a speculative novel. Like, so many... I, I, I have always been, and I think at this point forever will be, searching for more novels with sapphic protagonists that are just not good for each other, <laughs> but get together anyways. And it's sloppy, and I love it, and it's hard to find. Um, and this was really one of the first novels that I encountered where I was like, God, yes, thank you. They're like, you know, they're enemies to lovers, essentially. <laughs> um, and, and that was like really refreshing and delightful. And I just have so many like sense memories of sitting in my car in the parking lot of my old job, uh, mm -hmm. listening to this book and just like relishing it. <laughs> I did not know you enjoyed it that much. Yeah. I mean... You, you've kept it so fucking close to your chest when I suggested this book as a topic. Yeah, well, I didn't want to bias you. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I think it's like, you know, revisiting it now, um, and, and especially like reading, rereading parts of it in the book, book form, I was like, God, yeah, it's just so good. I think the relationship in it is compelling, but like so much of the language of the book is strangely holds you at a distance yeah uh in a way that i think is like so epistolary like yeah. oh my god you know it I, I feel like at the end i feel like there's a point where it's like <laughs> i feel like our cat locked out of the room meowing helplessly and really loudly to try and get in but ultimately unable to it's all a metaphor you see <laughs> it's all a metaphor but there is like this point where it's just like if they like I think that's like three fourths of the way through. It's like if they met up in person and just like chatted and hung out, I don't know what the fuck that would look like. Yeah, and I don't think they do either. Yeah, and I kind of love that. Honestly, it, it is. It's it's interesting. It's not for me something that makes me passionate, but uh -huh. it is something that makes me intellectually curious. If that's like a distinction I can draw. Yeah, and I mean, I think what I like about that is the inherent tension in two people who have like never really shared a room together without trying to kill each other, mm -hmm. and this question of like what would that be like and would would 
it actually work? And what does their life possibly look like yeah. together? I want an AU of this where they just meet on World of Warcraft as Horde and Alliance players uh, and start <laughs> uh, leaving each other notes uh, and then connecting on the forum. And then uh, it mm-hmm. they meet up in person, mm-hmm. uh, but it ends before they actually meet up. It's kind of like an ambiguous ending. <sighs> Real yeah. Lady or the Tiger vibe. Yeah. Um, who's Horde? Who's Alliance? Hmm. Red is Alliance. Blue is Horde. That's so funny. I would have reversed it. Yeah, but I like blue better, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I hate that I just fully put my whole asshole into that metaphor, which was started as a joke, but ended up as very much not a joke. I know, you really meant it. And I, I can see so your eyes, like, regretted what you were saying as you were saying it, but you couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And I hate to say it, does compel me. It, you can take the person out of World of Warcraft, but by God, please take the World of Warcraft out of me. Help me, please. Maybe God. what you need to do, and this call me crazy. I'm not going to start playing again. <laughs> Maybe you just need to, like, have a little drink to prove that you don't need it anymore. <laughs> I, th- I think if you start playing World of Warcraft again, you'll be like, this isn't fun. But Sarah, there's a horrible, dark alternative. <laughs> and you will never see me again. <laughs> I'm gonna buy that World of Warcraft gamer hut. Is that, com- is that the one that has, like, a pee tube? Yeah, it has, like, a- I think it has, like, a latrine and also a fridge- just imagine the smellscape inside of there. Is it? And I don't want to. I don't want to be gender essentialist, but I guess I'm going to full steam ahead. Be is all the things predicated on the idea that you have a penis that you can pee into a bottle with? You know, I never actually. That never occurred to me. I just was imagining like a porta potty that. You oh, just you just think you piss yourself? Yeah, no, that you're sitting on a toilet. Um, and presumably there's also like a little um, cupboard, like a little cabinet, like with a key that you can unlock that just contains a cyanide pill for when it just all finally becomes too much for you. It actually contains a gun, um, and you're told it has a single bullet, but uh, it doesn't actually have any bullets. You have to live with what you've done. Isn't that that's that's World of Warcraft for you? <laughs> <laughs> I think if you started playing again, you would be like, "Wow, I hate you so much right now." <laughs> I'm gonna rip this tattoo off. <laughs> okay, so back on topic to make you love me again. Um, what did you think about the two women who tried to kill each other? Huh? I think they Pretty should. Ki- I think they should kiss about it. You think they should kiss about it? Do you think they should kiss weird about it because their bodies are weird? Yeah, their bodies, bodies are, are really weird. weird. Join the hive mind. <laughs> <laughs> the perfectly in time. I feel like that's been happening more and more. I think that things are accelerating. I know. We just have to spend time with more people who aren't each other. We spend lots- we have lots of friends. That's true. Sometimes it's like, fuck, stop hanging out with other people. I know. God, you're obsessed with me. God, you're- God, you got, a ta- you got the same tattoo as me. That's so embarrassing Shut up. I put in no effort for this. <laughs> if right. anything, you're the cuck. Oh god, you're right. <laughs> and yeah, I am gonna leave it you calling me a cuck. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the thing that finally makes us wildly popular on the internet. Is you calling me a cuck? Yeah, that'll be our that'll be our biggest dickless moment. Yeah, speaking of biggest dickless and thus uh, cementing the necessity of keeping all of that in the episode. Oh no, I do think it's really interesting how this uh, explosion in popularity. Uh, for this book came about because I mean it was already I'd say I mean I don't know if I'd say it was really popular but it was extremely highly regarded um 
I don't know how popular it was, but as a result of a person on Twitter who ran a Trigun blog just tweeting about how everybody should read this with no links or anything else, it became, I believe, the number three book on all of Amazon above, like, Taylor Swift's biography. Is her biography out? I think so. I feel like if it was out, I would know it. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm not a Swifty. <laughs> you're not a Swifty. You're just super up to date on all the Swifty lore. I just feel like I have my finger on the pop culture pulse, and I would have seen people pulling stuff out. I would have heard quotes from Taylor Swift. They're all just too busy reading. This is how you lose the time war. Good, good choice, guys. Yeah, and I think it it is really interesting thinking about how weird popularity and fame is especially now where with all of the algorithms and stuff if you include links like you're probably not going to get you know the algorithm doesn't like you i don't even want to start talking about this like i know how any of this work i make an active effort to think about it as little as possible um which is pretty impressive as a freelance content marketer not to brag um and that's why our audience has grown a thimble full of time <laughs> over the course of five years. This is our hobby. <laughs> um, Thank you for the money. Patreon.com slash Cracked Spines. Yes, find out uh, Sarah's Until Dawn crush. Who will it be? If you fucking... It's not gonna be hard to guess. If you know me. Honestly, kind of devastating for you. I know. it's That's what sucks. <laughs> it makes so much sense. Yeah, so just respond to this episode with your best guess as to who it is, and that will pretty much also serve as a call-out. And you know what? I'm gonna give a hot little tip. It's not Emily. We all wish it was Emily. <laughs> I wish it was Emily. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I, I just do think that it is interesting the ways in which books kind of ebb and flow in the mm-hmm. in the zeitgeist yeah Um, i don't really have anything more interesting to say about that it's just kind of weird and 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 kind of frustrating almost which is like i it's not like i'm being like oh this book should not have gotten all this attention like not at all i'm super glad but it is just kind of like it's so random you know and there's just so many other books where it's like they never that i love that never had that moment and Mm -hmm. uh and books that i don't love that did have that moment yeah uh and yeah, it's just kind of weird thinking about how how stuff does become popular and mm. the totally random chaos theory uh, butterfly effect, if you will. <laughs> That's for the five people who have played Until Dawn listening to this podcast episode. Um, Why are we talking so much about Until Dawn? I don't know, Sarah. It's your obsession. You tell me. I'm over it. I purged myself of it. No, you're going to play it when we're done recording this episode. I was thinking about replaying that final chapter. You have to. You I'm- literally made me swear to make you do it. I'm gonna get those teens out alive, baby. Yeah. Especially one teen. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I've killed this- Also, he's not a teen. He's fucking 30. He's a 30-year-old hanging out with teens. Whoops. Uh, I guess there's another little- (laughs) He is- He's class president. He has to be their age. They all went to senior prom together. God. He could still be a 30-year-old, but it raises a lot of dark, dark, dark questions. It does. Dark, Dark, but also just confusing. Uh, Much like uh, it's confusing what kind of comes to the top of the pop culture zeitgeist. Yeah, exactly. Way to bring it it back. Uh, It's got to be so frustrating. I, I, you know, we 
we have clearly a thing that we put out into the world, you know. Um, but we and once again make virtually no effort to advertise. <laughs> we should every so. every. I want you to know, guys. Every like planning period we do for the podcast, we're like, and we should like uh, tell people we do this. <laughs> we should like tweet. Maybe no, 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 no. no. I want every. Hey, if you see a post on my Tumblr saying that we did an episode, know that that was blood, sweat, and tears on my part to convince myself to sit down and talk about something I did that I'm pr- usually proud of. Yeah, usually. usually. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple episodes I've edited where I'm like, well, we did it. Not my best work. <laughs> <laughs> we all have that moment, and you know what? It can't be our best work every time. And that's how you lose the time war. Because it's not your best work every time. Wow. They, they both failed, you see. Yes. So they're going to... They lost the time war because of incompetence. <laughs> so we're, And we're, we're incompetent and we're losing. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. Glad you got it. Okay. Because I was thinking maybe we were doing well at a thing that both of us enjoy. Uh, no, that's not it. And I know you're also thinking that maybe it's like a metaphor, but it's not. Oh, it's just painfully literal. Yeah. Well, I w- your original pitch for our tattoo was I would just get fail and you would get your on your arm. It's very funny. <laughs> it's not too late. You could get it on our knuckles. <laughs> okay, failure with an exclamation point? Yeah. God. Or a question mark. How about an interrobang? Oh, you think that's a little pretentious? Fuck off. <laughs> How you lose the time war over here knows about interrobangs. Everyone knows about interrobangs, Sarah. And which one's Horde and which one's Alliance? I'll kill you. And what's their races? Don't make kissy faces at Mike from Until Dawn. I'm sorry, I guess you don't have to subscribe to our Patreon, okay? It's Mike. <laughs> no one actually cares about this lore. <laughs> I, I will not defend myself. Good, you can. But I will for one a quick second. Um, <laughs> he's just... No, I can't. We just had a whole episode on this. This is insane. This is how you lose the time war. You get sucked into these endless conflicts beyond origin, where they the war no longer has a start nor an end. And it also doesn't help that you just have really bad taste in fictional characters. Uh, they talk about fictional characters a lot. They sure do. Yeah, they. One of them just talks. It's like recommends a book to the other person, and and it's a real book. God, that's so good. It's a book that uh, Amal El Matar reviewed. Yeah, and said it was great. Yeah, I love. That. And she was just like, "I will be sliding this in. Thank you so much." Yeah, and and you know that kind of ties into uh, the fact that this book was co-written, where I believe that one of them took one part and the other took the other, right? Mm-hmm. One was red and one was blue. That is my understanding. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really cool, and I, again, I feel like a lot of this episode is me being like, I don't really have anything interesting to say about this, I just thought it was neat. Um, but I do just think that is such a, a cool way to write a book, and I think that that kind of bleeds through in terms of like how the book feels while you're reading it. Um, it's just a very enjoyable experience. There is a lot of a sense of discovery that I think comes through. And yeah. Whether or not, like, we're sort of ascribing that to the two writers or to the epistolary style, but, like, the sense of one person continually being surprised by the other. Yeah. That is, uh... That's love. That's love, baby. That's love. This is how you love the time war. Wow. No. Yeah. <laughs> Is this how you lose the love war? No. Just stop trying. <laughs> that was the other tattoo hey, idea. The, the, 
the failure is an exclamation mark now. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it also would have been fun to write. I have no idea how it was to write, or if it was fun to write, or if these two are still on speaking terms. Um, who can say? Who can say? Not us. I won't Google a thing. <laughs> we won't Google. We won't tweet. It's amazing we've done this podcast for as many years as we have. <laughs> God, it's been five years. I'm not actually sure, but it could very well I think be. it was, I think it's, I think we're coming on five years now. Holy wow. shit. Are we better than when we started? We can't think about that. You know, it's a fun form of time travel, though. Were you listening to old episodes? Mm. I shan't. <laughs> you know what's interesting is our cat is meowing so much and so frequently, and it is putting a fun little time limit on this episode. It sure is. Because she's going to... She's going to start, here's Johnnying the door down any second now. Yeah. So that she can then once again just sit five feet away from our new kitten and just stare at her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we love and support her for. We love, we support both of our cats. They're doing so good. One of them doesn't have a name yet. Guys, I'm worried. I'm worried we're going to name the new cat Weevil. It's, listen, I'm, I'm pro-Weevil. She is, one could say, the lesser of two Weevils. Shut up. Up. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. I don't want to name our cat Weevil. Unfortunately, it does have a ring to it. Kind of Weevil and Scurvy? Scurvy and Weevil. Oh. I still like Barnacle. Barnacle is good, too. If you have any other nautical-themed cat names, uh, definitely uh, feel free to shout them out. I think we unfortunately... What have we? We rejected Berry Berry. Yeah, because it just requires too much explanation, even though I think it is uh, very appropriate given that she was living in a blackberry patch when we found her. Mm -hmm. And had a nutritional deficiency. Yeah. Sad. But I don't want to have to have that entire... I don't want to have to give a spiel every time that we tell somebody our cat's name. We already have to give a spiel half the time we give our cat's name. I've just started telling people that our cat's name is Scurvy, and if they ask questions, I just spit in their face. It works great. Yeah. You're just like Red for real. <laughs> I liked Red better. Of course you did. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, oh, you preferred the one from an organic hive mind's fucking plant mommy? And I liked the one that was a sad robot? Yeah. God, we're parodies God, of ourselves. Jesus Christ. And I know every time we say this will be a short one, it in fact becomes an hour and a half long, but this probably will be a short one because it's a pretty short book and because so much of what to discuss about it is so specifically the language and the vibes, um, it's a little hard to continue discussing. But I do have a couple more things I want to talk about, um, but we can't for much longer because I, I had to get up and pee, um, so we paused it, and when I got up, I hit my knee against a shelf, and I was really brave about it, but it actually hurt so badly. Oh, no. I banged it so hard, oh, and no. I can just feel it throbbing, and I would like to no longer be sitting on my bed. Wow, that's super fair. Uh, so I just have about, like, 20 more minutes of talking points, uh -huh. and then maybe we can wrap things up? I maybe my, 30 minutes. I hit my knee so hard. Oh, so hard. Mm, guess you shouldn't have been clumsy then. What's this bruise on your leg from? Who can say? I'm covered in ailments. Um, yeah, I think the last thing that I wanted to say was that uh, I feel like time travel in any book is always, like, a a difficult thing to grapple with. And I think this book did a great job by simply being like, we just won't really 
deal with it. Yeah. It time the time travel works however we say it works for the purposes of having these two characters interact. And that is frankly ideal. I think it works well and you know it they have enough there that there's they they mention multiple Atlantises. Yeah. You know, they mention like trying to avoid paradoxes a little bit, you yeah. know. But in general it's like time travel seems pretty fucking sloppy and messy. Let's just assume that these fucking 55th century beings have figured it out and we can't have it we wouldn't understand yeah and you just keep moving like like a lot of the book genuinely like a lot of the book the book is being like trust us let's go yes you know hey how'd you write a letter in the lava that can only be you know seen it's like don't worry about it yeah we can do it we have the technology yeah and anyways if you hear the uh random jingling thumping and scratching in the background of this episode. That's our two cats trying to do something to each other across a door. They've what been... are they trying to do? Who can say? Talk about enemies to lovers. They're not lovers yet. They're like they're on like letter three. Yeah. Of this. But they are starting to respect each other's prowess. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's a great start. I think honestly, I think baby's respecting Scurvy less and less. I don't know. I think, you know, Baby seems like she's backing off a bit more. Um, I'm very proud of them. They are literally going to destroy the door, though, so I think we should probably wrap this up. Jesus Christ, you two! Well, this has been Crack Spines, uh, and also our cat's podcast. Um, <laughs> Hopefully you couldn't hear them too much, but if you could, you're welcome. They're very cute. They're very cute. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at uh, Crackspines Podcast, and you can email us at crackspinespodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we got a recommendation through the email for a book that I very much do want to read and have been um, kind of angling to make a podcast episode for a while, so I'm excited about that. Nice. Because now I have a second person's vote. Wait, which one is it? The Traitor. Right! Yes, I'm excited about that one. Um... Yeah, and our upcoming books are going to be... Our next book is Genderqueer, a memoir by Maya Karabe. Our book after that will be Delivered from Distraction, uh, Getting the Most Out of Life with Attention Deficit Disorder, uh, which is a nonfiction book uh, by Edward M. Hallowell and John J. Ratty, or Ratty, perhaps... And then we are going to be talking about the uh, Master and Commander books by Patrick O'Brien, uh, which we have both been discussing. And hey, Sarah, have they gotten on the boat yet? They're on the boat. They're moving the boat around. I don't know what to what end they're moving this fucking boat around. I'm so sorry. We can't stop. Yeah, I just we'll, was we'll like, okay, you know what? Stuff. No, I'm not going to bottle this up. What the fuck is the plot of the first Master and Commander book? As far as I can tell, it's guy makes a friend and guy gets a boat. Yeah. What more <laughs> could you want from a book? <laughs> A glossary of terms! Sarah, we have a whole separate book that is dedicated to that, okay? Like, come on. You're just being so unreasonable. Oh my god. Just read two separate books so that you can read this 20-book series. We're not doing the whole series for our podcast. We're doing- I'm, I'm reading Master and Commander, that's all I've committed to. And maybe we'd watch the movie. Yes. Oh, we're gonna watch the movie. We're gonna watch the movie. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, look forward to those fun installments in our podcast for the next uh, month and a half or so. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Go forth and read This Is How You Lose a Time War. Bigalus Diggalus commands it. Bigalus Diggalus merely suggests it.
Um, and But we are helpless to resist them. Bigolus Diggolus will kill you if you do not read this book. Hey, do you know anything about Trigun? Absolutely not. <laughs> I can't tell if Trigun's popular or if everyone in my dash is just watching it. <laughs> anyway. Who can say? Anyway, I don't know. Subscribe to our Patreon. We'll do Trigun. Patreon.com slash Crackspines. Cool. I don't think we're going to do Trigun, though. <laughs> if you- Hey. Hey. Sorry. I know we're trying to end the episode. If you email and you beg us to do Trigun- We'll do Trigon. Okay. Anything for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs>